Thanks for listening to the Revival Today podcast with evangelist Jonathan Shuttlesworth. To stay connected, check us out on Instagram, Facebook, or online at revivaltoday.com. Now, here's evangelist Jonathan. Welcome to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I'm Jonathan Shuttlesworth, and today I think you're going to enjoy Jonathan, that's me, teaches you from the Bible a mistake-free decision-making system. Um, I've debated on whether to say this or not in the introduction because it's the kind of thing that if I go down this trail, I'm not going to get to the actual message. Today I set before you life and death. Uh, the app is not running today. The servers are down from the app company. And we use a good company. It's the same one uh, Brother Jesse Duplantis uses for his app. And they're having, they're having a problem right now, but it'll be up before long. Sorry for the problem. Um, today I set before you life and death, blessing and curses. Hey, Pastor Mike. Oh, that you would choose life, that you and your descendants might live. Hey, Victor. I want you to write this down. Life I'll steal uh, Dr. Mike Murdoch's line. Decisions determine destiny. How could you say it any better than that? Decisions determine destiny. Life's not luck. Life isn't something that God foreordained for you to be poor or rich, healthy or sick, live long or live short. Whenever it's my time to go, if you read, if you do a little simple Bible study, you'll find out that your decisions will play a role in how long you live. I don't know why the Lord's taking me now. It wasn't the Lord; it was the donuts. Your morning habits decide a lot of your future. What you do with your time decides your wealth. Decisions determine destiny, and that's true. Now, knowing that, why in the world is Instagram loaded with all these ministers promoting their ministries that basically have the same message? I mean, 90% of the messages on Sunday in America would be to the tune of, how many of you know whether you mess up or whether you don't mess up? God's still there. There's nothing you could do that's going to alter his plan for your life one, one inch. It's like people feel a call just to let people know basically their decisions don't matter. You don't have to work hard for the Lord. It's his grace. He's going to take you where he wants you to go. I could not disagree <laughs> with that anymore. And not only am I right and they're wrong, what they teach is not only wrong biblically, it's wrong in practice. What moron teaches people that no matter what they do, everything's going to work out? Let me ask you a question then. Why are there cemeteries? Some choices bring death. And if you go to a cemetery and you look at the birth and death date, everybody didn't live till they were 120. 
Everybody's story doesn't end like Moses, and Moses was 120 years old, and his eyes were not dim, and his strength was not abated. This is the inheritance of all who serve the Lord. That's, that's, that's not everybody's story, is it? Well, if God is not a respecter of persons, and Acts 10.34 tells you that he's not, and the Bible tells you Moses, though he was 120 years old, his eyes were not dim and his strength was not abated. This is the inheritance of all who serve the Lord. So anybody can have. When you read the Bible and you read the people in the Bible, you're reading what's available to you because what God does for one, he'll do for anyone. But you're going to notice decisions they made that caused them to live abnormally awesome lives. David made a decision to instead of just watch sheep and hit rocks or whatever the other shepherds did, he was going to bring a musical instrument out with him and sing praises and write songs to God all day, every day. Well, that decision carried a consequence. And that consequence was God liked that kid. I like this guy that sings to me. He's uncommon. So, so write this down. Uncommon decisions produce uncommon destinies. And there are, and I'm not teaching on this today, but if I'm not careful, I will be teaching on this today. There's uncommon decisions you can make in your youth. That you just, you draw the smile of God on your life and, and it becomes obvious that God, as the old timers called it, God's hand is on your life. God doesn't sovereignly pick that. People make decisions. One time I caught Camila in a room by herself telling Jesus how much she loves him. Well, she could have made a decision to put the TV on instead and watch Disney, which she does. I'm not trying to make my daughter Alex. She's some... Uh... Well, you know, to be honest with you, she is, <laughs> like, amazing. She's happy from morning till night. But, I, I, you know, I saw her do that, and I thought, well, things are going to probably go different for you if you make a habit of this. And they have. I took her to a baseball game. And we had good seats. Uh, someone blessed us with great tickets. It was me who blessed us with it. They have a net up at the baseball games now. So we were sitting close, and they were hitting foul balls into the crowd. But if you're sitting close, the net grabs the foul ball. So anything that clears the net has to go way back into the crowd. So Camila said, can you keep the ball? If it gets hit to you? I said, yeah. She said, man, I'd like to have a ball. And me, being a faith preacher, said to her, well, that's not going to happen to us. We're not going to get a ball because we're sitting too close. Real great faith statement. But apparently the Lord didn't care about my low faith. He heard that little girl say, I'd like a ball. And I'm telling you, the guy, an old usher, comes down the steps. He was, sit he was nowhere near us. And she doesn't talk loud. She's eight. I, I would like one of, the, one of those baseballs. Within one minute, you can ask my wife, this old usher comes down to Camille and goes, come with me. Which she went with him, which was odd. You know, that some guy you've never met just says to your daughter, come with me. And, she got, and I, I let her go. And she comes back. 
smiling with a baseball with a hickory bat or whatever wood they're using now, scuff stain on the ball that that usher got one of the foul balls for and gave it to her. I said, Camila, Jesus gave that to you. You said out loud, I'd like one of those baseballs, and within one minute, somebody took you to go get one. That, that happened to her. I, I may have uh, shared, no, I don't think I shared this online. Camila wanted to go to Disney World a second time. We got tickets for her to go once. You had to reserve them months in advance. And after she went once, it whet her appetite for it, and she said, I would like... Um, Callie said, I know, that, I know this isn't what this live is about, but we've been struggling about going trick-or-treating. We don't participate on anything else about Halloween, but is going trick-or-treating and just getting candy at houses against the Bible? We're confused about it. Thank you. It's not against the Bible to go trick-or-treating, but I don't go, well, number one, because I'm 41, and uh, number two, I have never went. You know, generally, if there's a holiday that's just based around witchcraft, I kind of keep my, my hands out of it. It's not the free candy I like so much as the witchcraft. So, there's enough, there's enough fish I have to fry without weighing in on Halloween and trick-or-treating. You know, they're trying to shut churches down all over the world. I kind of got my, my fist in, in that fight. So, um, hope that helped you. I love you, Callie. I love the whole Swagger family. You guys are great. So Camila wanted to go to, to uh, Disney. I'll skip the story. She got to, we told her she couldn't go. She met somebody the next day that said, if you'd like to go, I'll give you tickets and 16 fast passes per person. And she, she just looked over at us because we said, we're not going to be able to go. It's impossible. There's no tickets. There's no... When God smiles on you, there's no impossible. God, God will clear any way for you. Now, I brought that up not to tell you testimonies about my daughter. I brought it up because not everybody has the same life. Today I set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Oh, curses. Oh, that you would choose life. Life is a choice. Blessing is a choice. So when I'm talking to you about this is titled, Jonathan Teaches You from the Bible, A Mistake-Free Decision-Making System. It's very important to not make mistakes. I may be the only preacher who's uh, under 70 that will tell you that. Mistakes cost money. More importantly, mistakes cost time. Some mistakes you can recover from quickly and at a low cost. And I, I'm going to have you write these three down. Some mistakes you can recover from quickly and at a low cost. Some mistakes take a long time to recover from and at great cost. There's people watching me, and I'm not looking at the names. I'm just playing the odds. There's people watching me right now who married the wrong person or hooked up with the wrong person early in your life, and you just were able to recover from that. Now, after a decade, two decades, 
You can make a, a wrong decision that costs you 15 years and a lot of money. Wrong business associate, wrong spouse. So when people just make it, well, you know, whatever decisions we make, God can forgive. There's more to life than whether God can forgive something or not. I, I even saw a guy on Instagram write, you'll never be better at sinning than God is at forgiving. So what's that supposed to mean? Sin all you want. God will forgive you. Well, then explain that to the multitudes that are in hell right now. I would be very, very wary of any kind of teaching or ministry that makes you comfortable with mistakes and sin. Sin is costly. Mistakes are costly. You should attempt to avoid them at all cost. Some mistakes you can recover from quickly and at a low cost. Some mistakes you recover from at a lot of time. I would say most mistakes. You, to recover from them, it's a long time and great cost. And I want you to write this down. Some mistakes you never recover from. Is it 1 Kings 13 or 2 Kings 13? I, I, I feel like so free that I'm not doing a book right now because I can just talk. If I, get, if I got the scripture wrong, it's not in print for the rest of my life. Um, a young prophet was sent by God to a place. God said, don't eat anything while you're in that town until you get home. Another guy came to him in that town and said, no, you can come eat. An angel told me it's okay, and he ate, and he was killed. for He died. He disobeyed God and died. So he didn't recover. So for all the people that say there's no mistake you can't recover from, what do you do with that scripture? He made a mistake, and it killed him. It's bad to get out of the will of God. First Kings 13, thank you. Hey, Pastor Tom. Since you were so right last time, we'll see what you have for us this time. Jude 3 and 4. Dear friends, I've been eagerly planning to write to you about the salvation we all share, but now I found, find I must write about something else, urging you to defend the faith that God entrusted once and for all time to his holy people. I say this because some ungodly people have wormed their way into your churches, saying that God's marvelous grace allows us to live immoral lives. Wow. Nothing's new under the sun, huh? Some people have wormed their way into your church, ungodly people saying that God's grace allows us to live immoral lives. The condemnation of such people was recorded long ago, for they've denied our only master and Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, Pastor Tom. Pastor Tom Lapley, if you need a good church, uh, look him up. Restoration Church, right, down in Florida. So I do want you to write that in your notes. Some mistakes you can recover from quickly at a low cost. Some mistakes you recover, I would say most mistakes, you recover from long time, great cost. You know, you hire a guy to run the finances of your church that embezzles uh, $1.1 million out of your building fund. That takes, some, 
that's going to cost you not only that $1.1 million, it's going to cost you the time to get the money back, and it's going to cost you partners. There would be people, like if I announced that, listen, I know I announced that we're opening this church, but it's going to be another couple years. We had the money, but the man that runs our, our accounting took the money, and he's in jail, but he can't pay the money back because he doesn't have it. Well, not only would I have to get the money back, I would lose partners because subconsciously when something like that happens, people just say, well, Jonathan, Jonathan needs to get his act together. He's hi he hired a thief. You know, He said he was going to get it done. He didn't get it done. You lose credibility. It costs you problems. And then some mistakes you never recover from. People die. You make a decision to go out and get drunk and drive home and wrap your car around the telephone pole and die, you're done. You're not a video game character. You don't hit the A button and drop back from the sky and just start playing again. You get one life, and you should treat it that way. <laughs> so since we now know decision-making is very important, how can you have a foolproof, mistake-free decision-making system where you make the right choice, spouse, where to enroll your child in school, uh, how, uh, what type of schooling you're going to give your child. Life's all about choices. <laughs> so think of this. When you are an excellent decision-maker, Me too, Melanie. When you're an excellent decision maker, you not only benefit personally, your spouse and children benefit. The people who work for you, if the Lord makes you an employer of people, they, they benefit. Everybody that works at Revival Today has received multiple raises and bonuses during COVID. No one's been fired uh, due to having to lay people off. I think we had one person quit. So we made good decisions. Other people benefited. Other leaders made poor decisions, shut the church down, had to lay off two-thirds of the staff. So other people suffered for their bad decisions. There's people watching me right now. Your life was very hard for a long time not because of decisions you made, but because of decisions your parents made. I mean, imagine making the decision, we're not going to church on Sunday. Well, it's not just you that you lead to hell. It's your whole family. So knowing that, that your decisions not only carry a reward or a curse for you, they carry a reward or a curse for others, it, it should put a desire in you to want to make very good decisions. And that's why today's title, as Jonathan teaches you from the Bible, a mistake-free decision-making system. You don't, have to, you don't have to make mistakes. And I'm going to tell you why. Turn to Romans chapter 8. Romans, the eighth chapter. Verse 9, but you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit 
if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them don't belong to him at all. Well, that's an interesting scripture. I mean, no, we have a sinful nature, and that sometimes that nature just takes over. No, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says you're not controlled by your sinful nature. I want you to say that out loud. I'm not controlled by my sinful nature. I'm going to start saying it out loud when I'm at church and they make another statement. Let me know our flesh sometimes get, no, I'm not controlled by my sinful nature. That's what The Bible says that. You're saying something else. You are controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. So write that down too and say it out loud. I am controlled by the Spirit. Apps down, Natalie. The servers are down. At the company we use, which is a big company. So America's had a plague, not just of COVID, but of morons. Every business you go to, we'll not be closing at 8 p.m. due to worker shortage. Why can't you find more workers? Run your business properly. And Christ lives within you, so even though your body... Now listen to this, Romans 8.10. And Christ lives within you. So even though your body will die because of sin, the Spirit gives you life because you've been made right with God. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, and just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, He will give life to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit living within you. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters... You have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. For if you live by its dictates, you will die. But if through the power of the Spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. 14, Romans 8, 14. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons and daughters of God. Thanks, uh, Kevin, my friend, my new friend from Canada, just up the road. As many, I want you to write this down, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons and daughters of God. Now under that, I want you to write this, God leads by His Spirit. So if you're a Christian... You can be led by the Spirit of God. So write this down and say it out loud. I am a Christian, and I can be led by the Spirit of God. I am a Christian. I can be led by the Spirit of God. You don't have to be an apostle. You don't have to be a prophet. You don't have to be an evangelist. You don't have to be a pastor. You don't have to be a teacher. The only requirement to be able to be led by the Spirit of God is to be born again, to be a son or daughter of God. And if you are, then you carry the capacity to be led by the Spirit of God. Now, write this down. If A is true, then B is true. God's Spirit never leads to error. You're not going to find God's Spirit <laughs> lead people in the Bible 
into a problem and then God's spirit say, sorry, I messed up. No, God doesn't make mistakes. God's spirit never leads to error. God's spirit never leads to decrease. God's spirit never leads to defeat. God's spirit never leads backwards. So put those four things. God's spirit never leads to error, to decrease, to defeat. God's spirit never leads backwards. Don't write the person's name if you, if you pick up on who I'm uh, talking about. My wife had a, a documentary playing on TV last night. I was up, we have like a loft upstairs, and I can see down into the living room. So I was up in the upstairs, and she was playing a documentary about a major ministry a major ministry that we love. This guy was very successful. I think he was an attorney. And then the Lord spoke to him. He got, actually got a word in church. Right now you speak to handfuls of people, but soon you'll speak to millions. That was like in the 60s. He ends up getting his own broadcasting network. And his wife and him... And the kids were living on the, the, the produce that the produce company was going to throw away in Brooklyn. When, so when he walked away from his job to follow the leading of God's spirit in the ministry, they were living in abject poverty. Now, you don't have to do that, but I'm, I'm making a point here. So he starts his television network. Then they start several facets of that television network. So they have multiple channels. He sold the one channel to Disney for $1.6 billion. So you don't worry about how... I was actually getting encouraged watching it because it was just amazing to see how when the Spirit of the Lord leads you, it doesn't make sense to the mind to stop being an attorney and start teaching the Bible and you go from having a nice salary to your kids eating semi-rotten vegetables. But that's not how they finished they finished with billions of dollars. He has a university on down the line. Now, when you watch that, from the time he started listening to the Holy Spirit until the end of his life, there, were, there, were, there was nothing but increase and victory, except at one point, people wanted him to run for president, this minister. So I heard him say this on the documentary. I had no desire to run for president. Oh, no, Sandra. We're not, we're not having any, any problem that way. Because the building we bought was already a church. So we don't even, whether the town wants a church there or not, doesn't even come into play because it's already zoned to be a church. It's just the regular bureaucracy of getting permits is all we're dealing with right now, which takes forever. People wanted him to run for president. He said, 
um, I didn't feel to run for president. And basically they kept pushing him. So he said, if I can get three million signatures of people that say they'll back me to run for president, then I'll do it. And he got the three million signatures. So he did it. And then he lost. And what happened was, while he was running for president, he wasn't on his TV network anymore. And they said the finances fell through the floor. They had to do mass layoffs. That's the only time from the time he took that channel for the 60 years after that, that there was, there was any downward trend. Well, I noticed all the other decisions that he made started with the Lord spoke to me. We were praying and, 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 and we felt God say, and then he hit one point where he said, I felt not to do something, but people wanted me to, and I thought it would be good. So this is where I, and it's funny because I had already decided to teach on this. If you make decisions from your spirit, if you make decisions from your spirit, your, your spirit will never lead you wrong. But if you make decisions not by your spirit, by what people think, you will easily be led into error. Turn to Proverbs chapter 20, verse 27. Proverbs 20, Proverbs, the 20th chapter, the 27th verse. The spirit of man is the candle of the Lord, searching all the inward parts of the belly. Here's the note. God uses the spirit of man as a light to search out the inward parts and determine what is good or bad. The spirit is that which knows. It is by searching man that God brings to light what is in him. Proverbs twenty twenty seven. The spirit of man is the candle of the Lord, searching all the inward parts of the belly. I want you to remember that. Turn, uh, finally, this will probably be the last scripture I read for today. 1 Thessalonians 5, 23, key scripture. Now may the God of peace make you holy in every way. Your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless until our Lord Jesus comes again. I'll read that again. Now may the God of peace make you holy in every way. And may your entire spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless until our Lord Jesus Christ comes again. I want you to write down those three words.
spirit, soul, and body. Spirit, soul, and body. Now, the churches I grew up in would say, you are three parts, spirit, soul, and body. But you are not three parts. You are a spirit. Because when your body dies, you don't die. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So I want you to write this down. I am a spirit. Somebody wrote, U.S.-Canada border is opening soon. Would you come to Canada and preach? I've come to Canada and preached a lot. I will not come to Canada and preach if you have to be vaccinated. And obviously I'm not going to quarantine for two weeks and, the, and then preach because I can't take three weeks of time to do a one-week a one meeting. So... As soon as they remove the roadblocks, I'd be happy to come. Write this down. I am a spirit. I possess a soul. I live in a body. If you'll stay with me for the remaining 13 minutes or so, this is going to help you maybe more than anything you've ever heard me teach in life because it'll, it'll break down <clears throat> who you are where your influences come from, and how to sort out the wrong ones from the right ones. This is why you always hear people ask, I felt this, but I, is that me thinking that, or is that God? They don't know how to be led by the Spirit. They don't know what it means to be led by the Spirit. I am a spirit. I have a soul. I live in a body. This is what I live in. This is not me. I I am my spirit. My spirit is the part of me that will live forever. My spirit is the part of me that was created in the image of God. And, you know, obviously our bodies resemble him too. But this will get laid down and picked up again. Your, your spirit's the real you. And your spirit is in your belly. Proverbs twenty twenty seven, John chapter 7, verse 37. At the last day of the festival, the climax of the feast, Jesus stood and shouted to the crowds, To all who are thirsty, come, and, come to me and drink. For in that day, rivers of living water will flow from your belly. But this spake he of the Spirit, which had not yet been given, but would be given to all who believe. Out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. This spake he of the Spirit. The Spirit of man is the candle of the Lord, searching out the inward parts of the belly. Your spirit's not in your head. Your spirit's not in your flesh. Your spirit's... That's why you get the saying even from people who aren't Christians. I had a gut feeling about that. Your spirit is in your belly. Now, if you learn to follow your spirit, you'll never make a wrong decision. To do that, obviously, you have to be born again. As many as are led by the Spirit, they are the sons and daughters of God. You have to be a son or a daughter of God through Jesus Christ to have that part of you turned on and for the Holy Spirit to speak to that part of you. But I want you to hear this. God doesn't lead you through your intellect. 
God doesn't lead you through your flesh. God leads you by your spirit. The still small voice of God. I have so much confidence in what I hear on the inside of me in my spirit that I just act on it right away. I was uh, December 31st. I was enjoying food with the rest of the people that are at Revival today. And all of a sudden, in my spirit, start a church. And so I told him five minutes later, just so you know, this year we're going to start, start a church. So let's cover the, the, three, um, the three parts. I am a spirit. I have a soul. What's your soul? Write this down. Mind, intellect, emotions, and will. Your mind, your intellect, your emotions, and your will. I have a mind. I'm not my mind. Now, if you think you're your mind, then you're going to talk about your mind like it's something you can't control. My mind just races. In it. No, it's not me. That's a tool that God gave me to use. A mind, I have emotions, I have a will. That's in my soul. I want you to write this down. Your mind, are you going to, since you're writing it for you, write it down like this. My mind is a wonderful servant, but a terrible master. My mind is a wonderful servant, but a terrible master. What does that mean? My mind just races it. My mind, I'm going to make some statements that sound strong, but they're all true. I've never battled depression a day in my life. Do you know why? I refuse to have depression. I don't allow thoughts like that in my mind. The Bible says casting down every thought and every vain imagination that would exalt itself against God, and God is his word. So if something comes into my mind that's contrary to what the Bible says about me, I won't think about it. I was shaving and I cut myself. I had a lump on my neck. I just hope it's not Hodgkin's disease or some kind of lymph lymphomatic cancer. I don't think like that. I, I don't know. I'm going to sit around and go get tested. I never got tested for COVID other than to travel to Hawaii to go preach. I never got the sniffles and thought, oh, let me just get this checked. Because, because what? If it's COVID, they're just going to tell me to go home and take a nap. I'm not sitting around worrying about death or thinking about death. Life belongs to me. I've never gone on WebMD one time to see what any problem is. I, if there is one, I'll curse it in Jesus' name. I'm going to live a long life. I don't sit around thinking about what, what's a problem. I'm not going to have any problems. I have the blessing of God and I have dominion. And anything that comes in my mind that's against that, I cast it down. Now, if the Bible tells you, Casting down every thought and vain imagination that would exalt itself against God. Guess what that means you have the power to do as a believer? To cast down any thought that comes into your mind or emotion. 
I refuse to be afraid. I refuse to worry. The Bible tells me not to be afraid. It tells me not to worry. I'm not doing it. I have trouble sleeping at night because my mind... Tell your mind to shut up. We're going to sleep. Quiet up there. Going to bed. Because I'm not my mind. My mind's my, my, my tool to use to make good decisions. Now, I'll tell you how decisions work. I felt in my spirit to start a church. Now it's up to my mind. My anointed mind. The Bible says you have the mind of Christ. I want you to say it. I have the mind of Christ. I have the mind of Christ. So my mind's not a detriment when I'm born again. Now, I know in my spirit to start a church. Now it's up to my anointed mind to carry out the plan to do what my spirit says. I'll tell you what it's not up to my mind to do is to veto my spirit. I was going, I felt in my spirit to become a missionary, but then I thought, how would I even get there? And your mind doesn't t talk your spirit. <laughs> your mind is not in charge of your spirit. So when your spirit makes a decision, you don't give your mind veto power over your spirit. Your mind is used as, to as the vehicle how to carry out what the Lord put in here and, and cause it to come to pass or position yourself so it can come to pass. Don't give your mind veto power over your spirit. The Lord opened up an opportunity for me, and I was, but then I thought, how am I going to do this? That, that's not your mind's job to think, how are you going to do it? Or what, whether you can do it. Carry it out. Yeah, think, how am I going to do it? As I'm going to do it, how am I going to do it? Good line, Brandon. The hammer doesn't tell the carpenter what to do. So God doesn't lead you by your mind. Many of the things the Lord speaks to you to do will make no sense to your mind. I didn't have any money in the budget to buy land in a building to have a church or the staff it will entail. But when the Lord speaks to you to go in a direction, go in that direction and you'll find that all those, all those things will line up. Don't ever let your mind veto your spirit. Does that make sense? Because you'll hear if you're around Christians, if you're around Christians, you're going to hear them talk like that. You know, I felt the Lord speak to me. I'll give you one. There was a, a, a minister that I knew who said, the Lord spoke to me to, to, to um, he was between churches. An opportunity came up for him to take a good church. They needed a pastor. And he said, I felt in my spirit to go. But when I heard from him again, he, did, he wasn't the pastor of that church. He said, we were going to go, but my wife said we would be too far away from her mother. 
and her mother wouldn't have anybody to take care of her. Well, let me get this straight. The Lord spoke to you to take that church, but then you thought, I'll be too far away from my mother or from my wife's mother, and so I disobeyed what the Lord told me to do. I'll be honest with you. I don't understand people like that. I can't imagine living, like, like, I don't know how I could live right now if the Lord spoke to me to start a church and I just didn't. I, there wouldn't be any moment of a day that I wouldn't be thinking like, you know, I'm out of the will of God. God asked me to do something. I refused to do it. Obviously, I can't believe for increase because the Lord gave me my next step and I refused it. So what's going to happen now? Apps back up. My friend Pastor Mike's on, you know, he built a beautiful church in Columbus, Georgia, and then they outgrew it. Imagine, like, like, can you imagine, Pastor Mike, if you were just like, you didn't build the second church. Now he's in a bigger, more beautiful church. What if he had said, no, you know, and he did it during COVID. Well, now's not really a good time to be, think of it. The Lord had him build a big church during a time when unemployment was supposed to go to 40% and the Dow Jones was supposed to drop to 9,000. And the Lord told him to build the church, and he did. That, that's ridiculous. But he did it. It's packed. It's paid for. The money all came in because God actually doesn't care about the economy. God can do whatever he wants. In any economy, in any nation, if you listen to him, he'll hook you up. If you don't listen to him, you'll mess your life up. You get out of the will of God. So you think of it now. Like imagine, Pastor Mike, if you just, well, now's not a good time. Well, then, then you're just stuck because you're out of the will of God. God wanted you in a bigger church so he could continue to increase you. You refused. So now you're like in no man's land. You're not serving the devil, but you're not in the will of God. <laughs> so there's problems. And there's a lot of people that live like that. What about that first pastor I gave the example of? So what do you do now? The Lord spoke to you to take a church. You let your wife talk you out of it. So where are you now? You're in no man's land. You understand God's not in heaven and because you said no, he goes, well, okay, angels, we need to come up with another plan for Jonathan's life. I told him to start a church, and he said no. So we, uh, God doesn't make a plan to accommodate your disobedience. God does not make a plan ever to accommodate anyone's disobedience. The Lord spoke to me to do this, but then I just, I, I didn't, I decided not to. Best of luck. It's, it's all up to you now. I, I literally cannot understand that type of thinking. So that guy, you know, the guy that I mentioned before, the aforementioned guy, took another church, obviously, because so you think, now that, He's out of the will of God. That church has a pastor that's out of the will of God. One lesson from the book of Jonah is you never become so anointed 
that you can disobey instructions from God. Jonah was a prophet that was so mightily anointed, he shook Nineveh. He turned it from entirely pagan to entirely God-fearing with one message. But when he was on a boat headed in the wrong direction, he was so cursed that even the heathen people on the boat said, uh, buddy, you have a problem. As many as are led by the Spirit of God. You know, everything you're doing in life, and I don't mean faking it, every major thing that you're doing in life should start with, I was praying and the, and the Holy Spirit spoke to me. If you can start all, if so, why do you live in this town? Well, my mother, uh, it should start with, I was praying and the Holy Spirit spoke to me. Why did you, how did you guys get married? I was praying and the Holy Spirit spoke to me, or, or just the Holy Spirit spoke to you, because he'll speak to you outside of prayer too. If you start every sentence with that and, and can mean it, you'll live a blessed life. When my dad was on 21 days of, of prayer and fasting to start the year, the Lord spoke to him to leave Pennsylvania and move us and our family to Maine and told him the exact street address or the exact street the home would be on. There were several homes that somebody helped us out with to see which one we like, and when we went to go look at the homes, one was on the exact name of the street that my dad had written down and shown my mother. Maybe, maybe it's easy for me because of the home I grew up in. My dad never made flippant decisions. Everything he did was based on the leading of the Lord. And I notice now there's very few Christians that do anything led by the Lord. Everything's just reactionary. Or... As many as are led by the Spirit are the sons and daughters of God. Are you a son or daughter of God? Most of you, it would be a resounding yes. Then you can be led by the Spirit, and you should ensure that you're led by the Spirit. We felt to go to this church, but my husband's um, parents, they go to the other church, and they said they'd be very sad uh, if, we, if, we, if they didn't get to see us on Sunday. That's being led by your mind or your emotions. Be led by the Spirit and never give your mind or your emotions veto power over your spirit. It'll lead you to trouble. Jonah heard the Lord say to go to Nineveh. And he thought, I don't want to go. Actually, what did he say? I don't even remember what his reason was. I know he didn't like the people in Nineveh or something. Where are you, Jonah? Well, I'm humble enough to use the table of contents. 8.17, there you are. Jonah 1.1, 1, 1. the Lord gave this message to Jonah, son of Amittai. 
Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. Announce my judgment against it because I've seen how wicked the people are. But Jonah got up and went in the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. <laughs> he went down to the port of Joppa where he found a ship leaving for Tarshish. He bought a ticket and went on board, hoping to escape from the Lord by sailing to Tarshish. So I guess it doesn't tell what his reason was. Does it ever give the reason? Oh, I see. He didn't like Nineveh. When God saw what the people of Nineveh had done and how they had put a stop to their evil ways, he changed his mind and did not carry out the destruction he had threatened. Chapter 4, verse 1. This change of plans greatly upset Jonah, and he became very angry. So he complained to the Lord about it. Didn't I say before I left home that you would do this, Lord? That's why I ran away to Tarshish. I knew that you were a merciful and... Comp oh, okay, so he wanted them to die. <laughs> so he didn't like those people. So, what happened? The Lord, the Lord spoke to him to go to Nineveh. And he said, I know if I do, the Lord's going to save them. So I'm not going. He let his mind and his emotions override his spirit. Write down the three words again. Spirit, soul, body. 1 Thessalonians 5.23. I am a spirit. God leads me by my spirit. I have a soul. But this is not, that's your emotions. That's your mind. Now, I'll, I'm going to tell you a way that you can let your emotions lead you wrong. That everybody would commend you for, and it sounds positive. Let's say you see a story on human trafficking, and it bothers you emotionally so you say i'm going to get involved and start a ministry to help stop human trafficking or help the victims of human trafficking noble but was that birthed in your spirit in prayer or by seeing a video and it bothering you emotionally every a need does not constitute a calling there's a lot of needs in the world that sound good and are good to, to help. But if it's not the thing God called you to do, there's no blessing on it. So you can actually do a good thing and miss the will of God. You never make a decision based on your emotions or your mind. Well, the Lord called me to do this, but I don't know where I'd get the money. It's not up to your mind to understand where to get the money. It's up to you to be obedient and figure out 
how to, how to do what God said you'll do, and, and then ask the Lord for help in the areas you need help. I'll tell you what triggered this broadcast is a lady I know was mandated to get the vaccine for her job. She didn't want to get it, but she also didn't want to get fired. So she made a decision with her mind. Well, I can't, can't afford to lose my job. And she made an appointment at a, at a convenience store to go get the shot. And she said, as I walked in the building, I felt terrible in my stomach. And I felt to call you. Well, gee, why would someone call me? Because they want to talk about an intellectual decision, a carnal decision. Why would someone feel bad in their stomach and feel to call somebody who's spiritual to talk about spiritual things? And she didn't get the shot. Now, I'm going to tell you something right now. Here's how you can tell if you're making the right decision. When you're making the wrong decision, it's like taking a shower with your socks on. Something doesn't feel right. I would pay attention to that. The unease in your spirit. Old timers would call it a check in their spirit. I had a check about that. Sometimes you'll make a decision to do something, and it's like the Holy Ghost pumps the brakes. It's just, remember, the Holy Spirit's still small voice. You're not gonna, hey, don't do that. No. Uh-uh. Just, uh-uh. And you pay attention. Don't start using your mind. Well, why would I feel? No, I'm not going. I don't feel to go. It's very difficult in my position to tell pastors that, that invite you to come to their church and you just don't feel to go. Nothing against them. It's people you like. Because they don't, I don't even think most preachers believe in being led by the Spirit. Why not? We'll, we'll take you a good offering. I don't, I, I don't feel to go. Not going. One of the most difficult things I ever had to do in life was break up with a girlfriend I had when I was like uh, 19 or 20 because there was nothing wrong. But I knew in my spirit, I didn't know it in the beginning, but as the relationship progressed, I knew that was not my wife. I knew it here. So I broke up. How do you break up with someone? Nothing's wrong. You haven't had any fights. You get along splendidly. Why are you breaking up with me? I don't know. But I have to do it. Because I feel like I'm taking a shower with my socks on. Something doesn't feel right. When God leads you and you follow God's leading, there's a peace in your spirit. You don't feel unsettled. You could have every reason in your mind to be unsettled, but it feels right here. And then on the flip side, you can be doing something where everything makes sense to your mind, but in your spirit, something ain't right. 
As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons and daughters of God. And then I'll deal with your body, but I'll deal with it quickly. Because I, if you've been watching me for over an hour now, you're probably spiritual enough that this doesn't need dealt with at length. Before I get to the body, let me say this under soul. Since your soul constitutes your emotions, your intellect, and your will, um, I'll give you a tip. Never make important decisions when you're tired. Because if you're tired, it will skew. It, will, it can even skew your ability to hear God's voice correctly. Was Elijah a prophet? Yes. Was he a mighty prophet? Yes. After he called down fire from heaven, killed all the prophets of Baal and Ashtera, outran the king's chariot, I'm guessing that's a lot of physical activity. You kill 850 false prophets, you call fire down from heaven, you build an altar, you poured water over the altar, you outran a king's chariot, which was a long way. I think it was 20 miles, 20 kilometers, something. Something long. Then he gets done, and he's tired. And he lays under a broom tree and prayed that he might die. Heavenly Father, please kill me. Amen. So when you're tired, you don't think straight. Never make important decisions when you're tired. You need to learn to recognize when you're tired. I guess this can go under the flesh. No way. Haruna, you made my day. You and your wife are coming to Tampa? <laughs> I'll see you. I'll see you all week. Wow, that makes me happy. You see that guy in the YouTube comments, Haruna Gora? He's a mighty man of God in Namibia, and he's my friend, and I love him very much. And his wife's a happy lady, which lets you know he's a pretty good husband. Here's to you, Apostle Goro. So your body can influence your decision-making if you let it. Negatively. I'm tired. Well, then go sleep. Don't make any decisions. When you're tired, is not the time to start planning your schedule. Man, I'm I don't think I can keep traveling like this and preaching and doing these broadcasts. No, take a nap. Then wake up and feel better. Because that's actually how the Lord solved that problem for Elijah. He prayed that he might die. And an angel cooked him pancakes and gave him water and said, eat, and had him rest. So when you're tired, don't start making decisions. Go to sleep. If you're hungry, recognize that you're hungry. And if you're not fasting, eat. If you are fasting, go pray. Don't start snapping at people. It probably took me till I was uh, 39 or 40 to recognize when I'm in a bad mood. But if I know I'm in a bad mood, I'll kind of just avoid people and stay quiet. Years ago, like seven years ago, I had two, two times I snapped it at people that worked for me or worked with me at Revival Today. Both times 
were the day after I came back from a 20-hour international flight. So you start realizing, oh, they're actually not the problem. It's me be, having been up for two days, ready to take people's heads off for, for nothing. So when you're tired, go to sleep. If you're driving, pull the car over first. Your flesh, which is your body, will basically lead you to make decisions based on a few things. Your flesh is your carnal nature. Your, your, it's like the animal part of you. Your flesh desires to eat, sleep, go to the bathroom, have sex. And as you get older and your flesh gets weaker, that, that desire uh, fades. The eating and sleeping and going to the bathroom, not so much. I mean, you meet somebody that's 102, they'll still eat every day. So if you make decisions based on the flesh, for anybody that thinks you're just like one thing, then explain why sometimes you've made a decision to go on a fast, and then by 2 p.m., you're going to realize you have another part of you called your flesh that says, listen, I'm glad you made a decision at the altar the other day. You're going on a three-day fast. Let's eat. Start the fast tomorrow. Eat. Me hungry. So really, one of the benefits of fasting is you learn to put your flesh under the subjection of your spirit. So I don't care what you feel like doing. We're going to do what our spirit said, what, what, what the Spirit of God said to do, and my spirit calls the shots, my flesh doesn't call the shots. I don't make decisions based on my carnal desires to eat, sleep, go to the bathroom, and have sex. I make decisions based on what the Word of God says and what the Holy Spirit has led me to do in my spirit. And then my mind does not have the power to veto what I've decided in my spirit. My mind is used how to carry out. And if you want to see, and I'll leave you with this. If you want to see um, a great example of, putting your, of how to use your mind positively and negatively, Numbers chapter 13. God spoke to the people, or, or to Moses, audibly, and the people, that he was giving them the promised land. The ten spies let their minds talk them out of it. God said, I'm giving you this land, but there's giants in the land. The land will swallow us up. We are not able to take it over. And their mind vetoed the spirit. And Joshua and Caleb their mind didn't only uh, not veto the Spirit. Their mind worked to how to carry out what the Spirit said. If the Lord is with us, we are able. We should go at once and take the country and possess it from Jordan to the sea. Though there's giants in the land, if the Lord be with us, they are merely bread for us. Their minds, train your mind to carry out what God's Spirit said. Not to veto what God's Spirit said. And you'll never make a wrong decision. I'll give you one last thing and I'll leave you alone. 
Follow your peace. My peace I give to you. If you have to pray in tongues for an hour a day to get peace, something's wrong. Things should feel right in your spirit, even if they don't make sense how it's going to work in the natural. What if when the Lord spoke to me to start this church, I said, how are we going to get the money to do that? We're still in the COVID recession. No, I moved on it right away. I think $700,000 came in in five days. Go forward. God's Spirit will never lead you backwards. I, I want to tell you that. If you came from a family where nobody was led by the Spirit, everybody was led by their flesh, <laughs> why do you live with that lady? Um, she was hot. Mm, good decision-making. If you came from a family where nobody knew how to make decisions properly, I just want to tell you from my own confidence and from the Word of God, the Holy Ghost will never lead you backwards. Learn to trust His voice. He leads you beside still waters, peaceful streams. He makes your cup run over. <laughs> that preacher I mentioned left a great job to follow what the Holy Spirit spoke to him to do. It looked like he had made the biggest mistake of his life, but when he sold his one channel for $1.6 billion, I guarantee you they're not living on uh, rotten vegetables now. He'd eat wherever he wants. He actually had his own restaurant built. I've eaten at it, and it's great. Learn to trust the Holy Ghost. Your uncle doesn't know more than the Holy Spirit. Your mom and dad don't know more than the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of wisdom. He knows everything. And the more you yield to him, the easier life gets. I haven't had an easy marriage because I'm a great husband. I had an easy marriage because I listened to the Holy Ghost and married the right wife. I mean, you've probably gotten a little bit from watching me every day, what, a little bit of a sense of what it's like to live with me. If I married somebody else, I probably would have been divorced in three to six months. But not a Dallas. Perfect match. He leads you beside still waters, peaceful streams, green meadows. He anoints your head with oil. Your cup of blessing runs over. Surely goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of, of your life. I want you to write it down one more time. I can be led by the Spirit of God. And now I want you to write this down. I will be led by the Spirit of God. Don't make decisions without consulting the Holy Ghost.
I think I've said this two times already, but I'm going to say it and mean it this time. I'll say one more, tell you one more thing and I'll leave you alone. You know, even to start the year, people say, what are your goals for the next year? I don't, I don't, make, them in, I don't make my goals for the next year until after I've spent 21 days in prayer and fasting, and I don't make goals and ask God to bless them, I have the Lord reveal his will for my life and then carry it out. I don't have goals. I do what I'm told. And that's been a, a secret of mine. I don't have goals that I'm asking the Lord to bless. I'm God's servant. What would you like me to do? Where would you like me to go? What would you like me to say? We used to sing a song growing up in church. I'll go where you want me to go, dear Lord. I'll say what you want me to say. Let me see the lyrics. I'll go where you want me to go, dear Lord, over mountains or plain or sea. I'll say what you want me to say, dear Lord. I'll be what you want me to be. I'll go where you want me to go, dear Lord, or mountain or plain or sea. I'll say what you want me to say, dear Lord. I'll be what you want me to be. Probably saying that too many times growing up because I ended up doing it. Wow, everybody's coming in. Evangelist Daniel just landed in Philadelphia. Hey, are you in the Philadelphia airport right now, Daniel? If you're in the airport, go to Gino's Cheesesteak. It's by, uh, it's at the food court. I think it's in gate C, if it's not, or terminal C. If it's not terminal C, it's terminal B. You have to go there and eat before you leave. I'm ordering you to. As a father in the faith. If you've already left, then you need to go to Gino's in Philly. Gino's cheesesteak. you got to listen to me on that. And you order it, listen, you order it with onions and cheese Whiz. So you say, I'll have one with cheese Whiz and onions. Or you can say one with whiz and onions. All right? You've got to go. I'm telling you. I'm not like saying this to be nice. I will be disappointed if I see you and you disobeyed me. I'm trying to help you. See you in Florida. Man, I'm looking forward to seeing everybody in, in Florida this coming week. A lot of great, great men and women of God. 
Father, I thank you for everybody who's watching right now. The last bad decision they ever made, I think it'll be the last one they ever make. And from now on, they'll know how to make decisions based on hearing your voice, giving their mind its proper place, and keeping the flesh under subjection to the Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. If you've never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I want you to um, pray this with me right now. Say this out loud. Heavenly Father, I admit that I've sinned. I repent. I believe in my heart you raised Jesus from the dead. I confess with my mouth Jesus is Lord and my Savior. Right now, I receive forgiveness. By the blood of Jesus, I am saved. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, welcome to the family of God. Let me know that you prayed. Write, I did in the comments. Thanks, Marley. And then more importantly, go to revivaltoday.com and click I just got saved. When you fill that out completely, I'm going to send you a Bible and other material that will help you live the Christian life. Awesome, Sabina. Welcome to the family of God. Thanks for the kind words, everybody. There's the points from Lyric, who somehow was able to get points out of that. Hope it helped. I'm going to give you the opportunity to sow seed. You know what I'm going to give away today? Find a graphic of Kenneth Hagin's book, How You Can Be Led by the Spirit of God. I'm almost positive that's the title. Hey, um, Daniel, are you on a... Wow, Gerald, thank you. God bless you. Thanks, Marsha. No, I didn't know that, Joey. Love you, Lyric. John said that's the best book besides the Bible that I've ever read. Do we have the graphic yet? There it is. How You Can Be Led by the Spirit of God by Kenneth E. Hagen. Which some people don't like him, but I guarantee you if you don't like him, I definitely won't like you. How You Can Be Led by the Spirit of God by Kenneth E. Hagen. I'm going to send that book to anybody who gives today, a seed of any size. Anyone that does, 200 or more. I'm going to send you my Uncle Ted's new book, The Camels Are Coming, Introduction to the Gifts of the Spirit, Volume 1. This just came out, what, 10 days ago, if that? It's the first book on the gifts of the Spirit that's been written probably in the last, uh, what, 30 years? So I'll send you both. 
Good question, Floofy Cat. I don't know. Thank you, Natalie. So anyone that does a gift of any size, put Kenneth Hagin's book up again. I'm going to send you that. If you do 200 or more, I'm going to send you both. My uncle's gift on the gifts of the Spirit, that's hardcover, and this book by Kenneth Hagin. And I'll say thank you in advance. Here are the ways you can give. Awesome, Daniel. See you soon. Hashtag, uh, if you're on Facebook, just in the comments, you can put hashtag donate, the amount you'd like to give. You can text RT to 50155, cash app, dollar sign RT give, Venmo, at RT give. <laughs> Thanks, Daniel. Um, but you're just connecting, Daniel, in Philadelphia and then flying on to Florida? Because if not, you should, you should come across. I'll, if, I'll put you up if you come across to Pittsburgh. Text RT to 50155. Cash app, dollar sign RT give. Venmo, at RT give. PayPal, revivaltoday.com slash PayPal. You can always just go to our website, revivaltoday.com, and click give now. Oh, that's great, Jacob. See you in Florida. Man, that's, it's going to be an awesome week. I know it. I can feel it in me bones. Cryptocurrency. I was getting ready to take this down because I didn't know if anyone was interested in doing this or not, and I guess a bunch of people have been given by cryptocurrency. So I'll leave it up. You can scan that QR code. Thank you for everybody that's given Ethereum and Litecoin and Bitcoin. Really appreciate it. Oh, that's great, Joe. Love you in Toronto. <laughs> it's funny, Joey. Uh, Rodney Howard Brown is speaking at the, at the conference. It's at, the, at uh, River Church in Tampa, Tiff. Worth going to. I'll be there. Come say hi if, if you see me. If you want to mail it, Revival Today, P.O. Box 7. <laughs> see you, Gerald. Thank you, Floofy Cat. You're, you're always very kind on here. You're welcome, Scott. Revival Today, P.O. Box 7, Prosperity, Pennsylvania. One five three two nine. Don't forget to claim your offer at revivaltoday.com. Claim your offer. And then we have a phone number there if you want to speak to a human being. 412-446-2332. If you're international, plus one, 412-446-2332. It just seems like everything with the COVID lockdown tyranny is collapsing. Every day there's more good news. What country did I just see dropped all restrictions today? Uh, Germany. I mean, Germany went from having one state where you weren't allowed to buy groceries last week. It's, it's fallen fast. I'm a happy man. Thank you, Kenny. It was great seeing you in New Hampshire. I really love all of you. Love you very much. I bless you in Jesus' name. Have the best week you've ever had. I'll see you tonight on Check the News. 
for myself and everybody here at Revival today. I love you. I really do. Hey, this is Jonathan Shuttlesworth. I want to thank you for listening to my podcast, or if you're listening to my wife's. Thank you on her behalf. If you want to be more than just a casual listener and stand with us as we take the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ to our generation, go to RevivalToday.com and click Give Now and be a part of the 1,000 monthly partners that we're believing for. I have a special gift that I'll send to you today, and I'll say thank you in advance. Until next time, thanks for listening. See you later.